Counting down your 10 best loved Christmas carols. Today we spotlight it came upon a midnight clear. And O come, O come, Emmanuel. Stay tuned for the stories behind these songs. Hi, I'm Woodrow Kroll. I'm Nigel Wilkinson and welcome to this Wednesday edition of Back to the Bible. We're midway into our look at your 10 favorite Christmas carols with Bible teacher Woodrow Kroll. Yeah, today we're looking at It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. That song kind of takes us back to the first Christmas. I like it because it reminds us that while we may only live a short time on this earth, our life in heaven is eternal. Oh, yes. And, you know, there's so much hope and joy in these carols. And, you know, we couldn't have that joy without a faithful God. Absolutely. And uh, the second hymn that we're going to look at today is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Talks about God's faithfulness to all ages, faithfulness to you this Christmas season. We'll look at that today here on Back to the Bible. I read one time about a lady who served on the civic committee of her community, and she was charged with the responsibility of finding carols to sing at the lighting of the Christmas tree in the town. And she went through all the carols, and her comment was, these are all so theological. Well, yes, I mean, they are theological because they're about the birth of the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the King of the Jews. Now, today we're looking at number six. We ask you, what are your favorite carols? And you told us, and we're counting down from ten to one. This is number six. It came upon a midnight clear. It came upon a midnight clear was actually written by a Unitarian minister, Edmund Sears. Uh, Edmund Sears was the pastor of a church in Weston, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Uh, unlike many of his Unitarian colleagues, though, uh, Edmund Sears believed in the deity of Jesus Christ. He also believed in the message of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, the hymn first appeared December 29th, 1849, in uh, a message on the peace on earth. It appeared in the Christian Register, a paper in Boston, Massachusetts. This is one of those hymns we might call a horizontal hymn. By horizontal, I mean that the intent of this hymn is not to lift our eyes toward the glory of God, but to help us to understand that we need to live in peace and harmony with others here on earth. We need to live well, we need to live at peace, and we need to live according to the principles of God's word. A horizontal hymn in the mid-1800s uh, very important, because if you know your history very well, you'll remember that in the mid-1800s, this country, the United States, was heading toward a civil war. And tensions were extremely high when this particular hymn was written. In 1850, a man by the name of Richard Storrs Willis uh, is the man who wrote the melody for this hymn. Uh, Willis, by the way, was a student of Felix Mendelssohn. So it's uh, very nicely done. The hymn, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, is very, very popular. Everybody and their brother has recorded this one time or another. Uh, I remember that Willie Nelson that great theologian, Willie Nelson, did a rendition of this. Josh Groban did a rendition of this. In 2006, Hall & Oates did a rendition of this that was on the top ten billboard charts for weeks. Believe that. Now, I think what's the importance of that is this. These hymns have universal character to them. I mean, the type of music that you enjoy is immaterial when it comes to Christmas carols. And the country in which you live tends to be immaterial when it comes to Christmas carols because the season of the year we celebrate 
is a season that reminds us that Jesus Christ became a man. Well, let's focus on this hymn. It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's all-gracious king. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Now, this is one of those hymns that has uh, kind of a, a sense about it that we got to pay attention to this person who came to earth. Uh, let me read to you a bit of the Christmas story today from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to start where the shepherds enter the picture at verse 8. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Well, it came upon a midnight clear. The intent of that song is to say that when glory comes to God, peace comes to men. And as I said, this is kind of a horizontal hymn. It's how do we live in light of the fact that God brings to us a Savior who's called Jesus. Well, stanza two, interesting stanza, says this. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled. And still their heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world. Don't lose the word weary, knowing what you know about the period of history in which this was written. Above its sad and lowly plains they bend on hovering wing. And ever o'er its babble sounds the blessed angels sing. Weary world. Dreary plains, lowly plains, babble sounds. What he's describing here is the tension in the world, certainly tension in the United States, that took place during this period of history in which this hymn was written. This country was moving toward the great war of the states. This country was in lowly plains and sad shape. And yet what the hymn tells us is so very clear. The angels can still sing the blessed song of Jesus' redemption because even war cannot take away redemption. And what he wants us to know is that redemption is not just a national thing. He's not talking about national reconciliation, north and south here. He's talking about the reconciliation between God and man. This is a hymn that tells us that on one clear night, God became a man so that he could reconcile us to himself and in the process reconcile each of us to each other of us in the process of days leading up to war. Well, we do hope that you are enjoying our best loved Christmas carol countdown this week with Bible teacher Woodrow Kroll. Now, Dr. Kroll, 
angels have always made us uh, curious. So, here's something I'm curious about. What did the angels understand about God's plan for man? That's a very important question. First Peter, the first chapter, tells us that concerning our salvation, the angels would want to inquire of it because they have no experience with salvation. God created angels just like he created us. Some of those angels were drawn away in Satan's rebellion. Some of them were made true to God. Those angels that were drawn away in Satan's rebellion do not have a savior. Jesus did not die for angels. He died for people. So they are for, their fate is forever sealed. And those who remain true to God will forever remain true to God. So these angels wonder about all this because they are a, a class of being higher than we are. When Jesus came to earth, he was made a little lower than the angels. And the angels must be scratching their heads if they do that. I don't know. But if they scratch their heads, they must be scratching their heads saying, why would God spend so much time and energy to save those people, you know, people. They're not even angels. Why would God himself become their savior? So I can understand why the angels would be um, in total wonder about this. It's something they just could not comprehend. Dr. Kroll, this particular carol and a couple other carol songs talk about angels singing. Talk to us about that. It doesn't say in the script that angels sang. Uh, it says they said. Now, we have kind of glorified that into this choir of angels. But it was a multitude. It was a mob of angels, essentially. A mob has the wrong connotation, I know. But these angels were heralding the message. Uh, and a herald is more like a preacher than he is a choir leader. And so the angels were more like uh, messengers of hope than they were singers of songs. Stanza three of this great Christmas carol tells us pretty much where we are in our lives every day. He says this, And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Get that, crushing load, toiling, painful steps. I mean, that's, that's life the way it is today. Uh, that's why Jesus could say, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then the final stanza says this, for lo, the days are hastening on by prophets seen of old, when the ever circling years shall come the time foretold, when the new heaven and the new earth shall own the Prince of Peace, their king, and the whole world send back the song which now the angels sing. Isn't it interesting? So many of these carols start with the birth of Jesus and end with his second coming. I mean, they take us all the way through the age of the church into the future. There will be a day when this baby in this Bethlehem manger will be the king of kings and lord of lords. Now, one of my favorite verses relates to that, and it's found in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Listen to this. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The final of the judgments 
of the great tribulation, the seventh trumpet judgment, where the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That's the baby who came to us on a clear midnight night. Back to the Bible Jamaica invites you to join us in our lunchtime faith partner prayer and fellowship meeting scheduled for today, Wednesday, December 13 at Bethany Fellowship, 9A Hagley Park Road, Kingston 10. That's right beside our office here at Hagley Park Plaza. We're looking forward to seeing some of our longtime partners as well as some of you who have come on board in more recent times. In addition, it's an opportune time for regular donors to stop by for your complimentary 2024 calendar and to purchase extra copies for family and friends. We will commence our main presentation at 12 noon sharp and conclude by 1 p.m., after which we'll have a short time of fellowship with some light refreshments. So, in whatever way you support this ministry, if you are desirous of becoming a partner or just a regular listener, you are invited to our upcoming lunchtime faith partner prayer and fellowship meeting scheduled for today, Wednesday, December 13, at Bethany Fellowship, 9A Hagley Park Road, Kingston 10. And please, if you can, come with a special offering towards the ministry to help us meet our year-end financial obligations. We ask that you confirm your attendance either by emailing us at backtothebibleministry at gmail.com by giving us a call at 876-926-5765 or by sending a WhatsApp message to 876-337-6295. Now let's get back to the Bible with our next best-loved Christmas carol. Well, number five on our list of the Christmas carols you enjoy the most is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And if that was your vote, I vote with you. This is a great, great hymn. By the way, this Christmas carol, even though the tune was not settled until the mid-1800s, this Christmas carol is very ancient. Both the words and the tune, the words and the music, go back to medieval times. So this hymn has been around a long, long time. Stanzas 1 and 4 were translated by John Mason Neal back in the mid-1800s. Stanzas 2 and 3 were translated by Henry Sloan Coffin, who lived up until 1954. So perhaps in terms of theology, this is one of the greatest Christmas carols we have. Think with me about stanza number one. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Now, right away, he's talking about Emmanuel, God with us, coming for the purpose of ransoming 
captive Israel. Why is Israel captive? Well, they're captive, obviously, by virtue of the fact that they are living under Roman rule. That's certainly true. But I think the greater captivity for these people is spiritual captivity. And Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. Listen to this. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. See, these people felt they were a guide to the blind, the blind being Gentiles. They had the embodiment of God's truth, and all of that set them apart and above everybody else. And they said, look, since we're related to Abraham, we got an automatic ticket to heaven. And Paul, who was Jewish himself, said, you don't have an automatic ticket to anything, certainly not heaven, because you don't have the faith that Abraham had. And the Jewish people were blinded to the fact it took more than just an Abrahamic connection to make them the people of God. Now, when this hymn is written, O come, O come, Emmanuel. He says, you imprisoned Israelites, here's good news for you. And here's the refrain, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. The hymn's design is to teach us that the person born in that stable and laid in that manger is the only person who can deliver the Jewish people from the blindness of their own sin. Now, what Jesus did for the Jewish people, by the way, he did for Gentiles as well. But this this hymn is keying on the need for Jewish people to understand who Jesus is. And that's one of the key needs for us at Christmas time as well. Now, some of these stanzas are not in the same order, uh, depending on the hymnal that you have in front of you, uh, if you're looking at a hymnal today. But here's what stanza two says. Oh, come thou wisdom from on high, and order all things far and nigh. To us the path of knowledge show, and cause us in her ways to go. See, stanza one is getting captive Israel redeemed from her sin. Stanza two is Jesus did not just come to redeem Israel. Jesus came to show us the way of truth. We have the written word and we have the living word. Psalm 119 verses 105 and 106 tell us, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Like the Bible gives us wisdom from on high, the Lord Jesus gives us wisdom from on high. Jesus said, I never say anything of myself. I only speak what the Father gives me to speak. So, stanza one, redeem Israel. Stanza two, lead the world into a path of righteousness. Let people know right from wrong. Let people know what they ought to do in moral and ethical situations. That's one of the reasons why Jesus came. Well, here stands a three. O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrel cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Come, 
desire of all nations. Now, this is not just uh, something that the author made up in this ancient hymn. This comes right out of the Bible. Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, to be specific. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, isn't it interesting? Again, this, like other hymns we've seen this week, other Christmas carol hymns we've seen this week, talks about God's judgment. I mean, you don't think of judgment when you think of a little baby in a manger. But these hymns carry us through the full plethora of things that Jesus brings to us. Yes, Jesus brings salvation to Israel. And yes, Jesus brings us the way of of truth and life. But Jesus also will one day bring judgment to this world. He's the desire of all nations, but the desire of all nations is going to come, and he's going to make everything right. And then there's a fourth stanza. Maybe the most difficult of the stanzas. Listen to this. Oh, come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Come, thou day spring. Show us your advent here. Show us. Advent means the coming, the presence, the presentation of Jesus on the earth. He's the day spring. Now, day spring simply means the sun rising. And what he is saying here is this, that the darkened hearts of the world, all the world, are lightened by the presence of Jesus Christ. Let me read a passage to you. This is uh, Luke chapter 1, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. Remember, he was struck dumb, could not speak. And after he can speak again, Luke chapter 1, verse 68 says this. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited his people and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Now, he's praising God now, and this is a part of his his essence, his being. He's a man who is a priest and now has something to say for God. But let me read on. Verse 78 says this. Through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Do you suppose the author of this Christmas carol read that passage before he wrote it? He's talking about the day spring. He's talking about darkness. He's talking about peace, guidance. All the elements of this great hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel are the elements of John the Baptist's father's message of praise to God. They're the elements you and I ought to have this Christmas as well. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Thanks for joining us today here on Back to the Bible brought to you by Back to the Bible Broadcast Jamaica in a partnership with listeners who give in support of this ministry. Our office is located at shop number 22, Hagley Park Plaza, Kingston 10. Our office hours are from Mondays through to Fridays from 8.30 a.m. through to 4 p.m. We can be contacted via email at Ministry 
at gmail.com. Our office number is 876-926-5765 and our cell and WhatsApp number is 876-337-6295. To listen to this study again or some of our previous studies, they are available in our free mobile app along with other Bible engagement material. Just look for BTTB Jamaica in your app store. That's BTTB Jamaica. You can also listen and download our studies from other podcast platforms, including Podbean, Google, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Be sure to look for Back to the Bible Jamaica. Before we go, a reminder that we have in stock our 2024 scripture calendars available for your contribution of $700 each, as well as our daily bread devotionals available for $500 each. Another great program today, Dr. Kroll. Tomorrow, we cover the third and fourth best loved Christmas carols. Uh, we do. Well, number four is O Come All Ye Faithful. And number three, the very popular Silent Night. Both of them here tomorrow on Back to the Bible. So take a little time to think about the carols you sing this season and spend some of that time with us here at Back to the Bible. Thanks for being here today. God bless you. I'm Woodrow Kroll. Have a good and godly day. For what lasting value is a good day if it's not also a godly day.